Total Self Considered. I'm Jeff Fine, psychotherapist, nutritionist, and fitness coach. This podcast is all about bringing you cutting-edge research, experts' opinions, and the latest thinking on how to build more fulfilling lives. Whether you're in a rut and wondering what you can do to get unstuck, doing well but want to take your life to the next level, or just want to learn the most effective ways to improve your physical and emotional well-being, listen on. I'll be talking with respected professionals devoted to mind-body health from a wide range of disciplines. We'll share with you the best tools, strategies, and insights that you can start using right away to overcome obstacles that get in the way of enjoying life and creating your best total self. Hi, this is Jeff Fine, your host of the Total Self-Considered Podcast. And I'm here with Mike Moran. Hi, Mike. Hey, Jeff. Thanks so much for being here. Mike, you and I uh, are going to talk today about uh, the sexual relationship between partners. And we're going to cover some very important topics and answer some very important questions because, you know, sex between partners is something that can be so pleasurable, but it can also be so complicated and fraught with so much yeah. emotion and, and anxiety. And so we're going to dig into some important aspects of the sexual relationship between partners to see how we can uh, help listeners kind of unpack and understand some of the things that might be contributing to what complicates their sexual relationship. Before I go That's into that, great. I just want to introduce you. Um, so, Mike, you are a certified emotionally focused couples therapist. You're also a certified sex therapist. And you're a certified right. inner bonding facilitator. You're a certified creative arts therapist. And you have advanced training in EMDR. Wow. What a great list of credentials. <laughs> and what a perfect person to have help us unpack all that we're going to talk about today. Is there anything you want to add to uh, that list um, of uh, amazing credentials? Uh, no, just that at this juncture now, where I've really um, deepened into in my own journey in our in our work, is I I really my practice I pretty much practice at this intersection of relational and sexual issues, helping couples who love each other learn about and cultivate greater emotional, relational, sensual, sexual connection. I really I really enjoy doing that. So I've really deepened into. Um, that niche at this point. And then I use my, my, my inner bonding. I use my understanding of trauma. Um, I use all of that to inform my work. But that's pretty much what I do at this juncture in time. I like, I really like what you're saying about that intersection. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? What that means for you and what that means for couples? Like, what is that intersection? Sure, of course. So for, for people who love each other, Sex, emotional closeness and sexual closeness is, you know, is very different for people who love each other for other than people who are having more casual relationships. When you really have skin in the game, and I use that word, you know, literally, right? When you yeah. really love this person, you really care about this person, it would be a great risk. You know, it would be, it would be, this person has become so important to you that it would be a real law if if things weren't to work out. When that's the case, 
sometimes it's very difficult to come forward and risk letting our partner into our more vulnerable feelings emotionally as well as sexually. And so that's where I kind of, I, I kind of sit at that corner with folks. I, I, I like to tell my couples, let's hang out here. Let's learn together. Let's get curious about all that happens within, you know, each of you. And then between you, it's within and between to help you understand how, how you, you connect emotionally, relationally that then impacts how you connect sensually and sexually, which then impacts how you connect emotionally and relationally. It's kind of like, you know, there's the relational cycle and the sexual cycle, and they're different systems, they're different cycles, but they're inextricably linked. And so we want to get curious about how they impact each other and all that goes on there. Yeah, that's so important. And, you know, uh, as I'm listening to you, uh, this may be validating to couples because it, it could be counterintuitive to think we're in such a loving relationship. Why would we be having this confusion, this anxiety, this um, this sense of uncertainty and, and vulnerability if we're in a loving relationship? Uh, but there's a lot to it in, in, when people are letting their letting their armor down to uh, be able to engage with each other at that intimate level sexually. That's a really good way of saying it, Jeff, right? There's a lot to it in, to, in order to bring that armor down. I, I tell my couples, right, there's a big difference. There's a big difference between playing it safe, right? We're in a loving relationship, right? We love each other dearly. This is, you know, we feel, we feel very close. But do you feel so safe, right? Are you playing it safe? Or do you feel so safe that you can tolerate, you can tolerate turning to your partner and letting them in to your inner sexual world, letting them into all that goes on for you there? Because that can, when you can't do that, and oftentimes couples, you know, that, that, that come to me, it's because they've really had trouble. They love each other. They love each other dearly. But they, they get, they've gotten twisted into this knot around really um, being able to, to figure out, to learn together what goes on for them to be able to, to turn on their, their erotic energy together. And it's like they, they've gotten caught in gridlock, and they can't, they, they can't figure the way out of that. And that's where I come in. Yeah, what a great uh, distinction, you know, playing it safe versus feeling safe. And, you know, where right. you come in, where we come in, and when we're helping couples is we want to help them realize that they're playing it safe and what's getting in, what are the blocks for them feeling safe. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's, a, a, that's a really exactly right. Right. And so, you know, one of the things that we're, uh, some of the topics we're going to discuss today will be very informative uh, for partners listening to this to understand just that, what might be getting in the way of feeling safe. And sometimes information mm-hmm. can be really useful. And, you know, one of the, uh, the topics that we're going to discuss today are models of, of sexual response that can help mm-hmm. uh, people to understand, you know, What's going on for them emotionally and physically 
as they begin to engage sexually with their partners. So you want to take uh, the ball and run with that with models of sexual response? Sure. And so just to sort of as a, as a caveat to that, right, what we're, what we're looking at here is how do I, how do I begin to see my domestic partner, right, the, the mother of, of my children, the husband of, you know, of my life, this person I've built my life with, right? How do I begin to see my domestic partner through the erotic lens, right? How do I begin to shift from seeing this, this, this person that I move through time with, right? How do I take all of that and then begin to eroticize them? And many, 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 many people, that can be challenging, right? So, when when we're talking about models of sexual response, I, I I you know I talk a lot about this with couples to help them sort of break down where they may be going wrong. So just as kind of a quick history lesson, right? Uh, Masters of Johnson. Remember, Jeff? Did you ever watch Masters of Sex? I did. Did you watch that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. So William Masters show. and Virginia Johnson. Right. Their, their work was pioneering. Their work was pioneering in our field, in the sex therapy field, because they really developed the first model to help us understand sexual response. It was a performance model. It's a goal-based model, but it gave us a basic framework of, of understanding, and it's, it's fascinating. They studied, they, they completed research on 10,000 uh, interactions of, of sexual activity, right? So they watched people having sex. They set up, you know, they set up a, basically these, uh, rooms where they really were able to categorize exactly what's going on when people were, were having sex. This was long before the IRBs. I don't think their work would ever get passed now, but luckily right. they, <laughs> they were able to do all that research under the radar. And so what they learned is they, they came up with a very basic model of there's excitement, right? The body gets excite, excited, aroused is another word for it. Then the body moves into what we call a plateau period where sensation doesn't increase. And then it moves toward the orgasm, right? Moves toward the orgasm. And then once we, you know, once we have orgasm, then we move toward resolution. Now it's, you know, one myth is that men can't have multiple orgasms, multiple orgasms, and that is a myth. Men can have. There's a, a book called The, Mul- the Multi-Orgasmic Man uh, that came out, I believe, in the 90s. And uh, men can absolutely have multiple orgasms. So I just wanted to kind of throw that in there for, for anybody who doesn't isn't aware of that. Because, you, you know, be, something that I talk a lot about is these messages, that would be these good myths for men. that we live under. Right. So, yeah, it would be good for men to embrace that. <laughs> Why not? Exactly. Hey, I read I read that book what 20 years ago. It was great. <laughs> I learned a lot from that book. These models of is that is that the main model that you're you're kind of talking well, this to is your the thing. Uh, clients what, about? What what's happened is is that we built upon that, right? So then the last the last section of that model is what we call resolution, right? That's when that was like back in the day that was the cigarette, now it's the phone, right? And mm-hmm. so that's the basic model of sexual response that we that we built on. Then Helen Singer Kaplan came along. She added desire. She added desire. And then uh, Joanne Lulin came along, and she added a concept that's been so helpful for us as sex therapists, 
right, which is the willingness, the willingness to be sexual. Because oftentimes with people we love, because, you know, we're pissed off at them or because, you know, we have all these feelings of resentment or things that have gone on unresolved, we're not willing. We're not willing to turn to our domestic partner, right, to turn to our our person and willing to see them through the erotic lens. And so willingness to, to really understand all that's going on there. You know, are we willing? Are we not? And if we're not, what's going on there? I, 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 I tell people, so how open is your willingness window, right? Is the willingness window, is it, is it closed, but the latch is open? So it's pretty easy to jimmy, you know, to jimmy the window open or is the, is the window not only, you know, latched shut, but it's so rusty that you can't even, even if you were to unlock it, right, you can't even jimmy it open. So we really want to pay attention to how willing are you to turn to your partner and get your erotic engine humming with them, right? I was just going to jump in. It's yeah. really interesting, Mike. Sure. Um, so if you have one partner who is, let's say, aroused and really is in the mood, and mm-hmm. reaches for his or her partner who is not in the mood. Um, that's a, a point that's where right. there can, it, it could be a lot, either uh, a window to open to it or a window to potential mm-hmm. conflict and a sense of rejection or mm-hmm. feeling kind of put upon. And so mm-hmm. is the partner who is not yet aroused willing to allow him or herself to be open to kind of the seduction, or does does he or she close off? Is that sort of where you're going with this? Yes, that's exactly right. It's an excellent point. And often that can then create a negative cycle, right? Because Uh if the partner who's initiating, right, and that's a risk, right? It's a risk to turn to your partner and, and court them, right, get that going. It's a risk because you could get rejected, right? But if their partner isn't willing to meet them there, then often a cycle, you know, can ensue. You know, it's important to take note. Some people have sex to feel connected, right? Some people, they're feeling disconnected. They're feeling emotionally disconnected, right? Their partner feels far away from them. So their body says, let's have sex and we'll feel connected. This is, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling disconnected from you. I miss you. Let's have sex and we'll feel connected again. While other people have sex, right, want to have sex as a product of feeling connected. So their body tells them, I'm feeling disconnected from you. Why on earth would I want to be sexual with you? That's the last thing I want to do with you. I'm pissed off at you. I feel resentful. It's like you didn't do the dishes, you know, the the the, the, the bedroom's a mess, what have you, right? And so this is where people get stuck. The other piece of this that's important to take note is some people, the way their body, the way their sexuality is organized, Right? They have the desire to be sexual, right? They feel the desire to be sexual. Their body starts to then immediately reorganize for sexual activity, right? And then their body becomes aroused, right? So they feel the desire to be sexual and then they become aroused. Other people, and this is where what you were tuning into, right? The willingness. This is where willingness becomes so important. Other people, they're, they have to be aroused. Their body has to be sending them those signals. Their body has to have reorganized to some degree for sexual activity before they feel the desire to be sexual, 
right? So for those folks, when they're partnered with somebody who, you know, it, it, desire comes first and then they get aroused, but they're, they need to feel aroused before they have the desire to be sexual. That, that permutation of couple, which is often the case, they have to really be able to tune into each other and really hold that together because the person who needs to feel aroused first, they really have to be willing and feeling close and just kind of willing to just play and see what happens, right? Does that make sense? It makes so much sense because you, because uh, sort of what I was saying before, it, you know, you could have one partner who comes, comes over and starts, say, kissing his or her partner's neck and that partner is not yet responsive. But they're they're That's sort right. of kind of uh, readjusting and and kind of like putting away all the thoughts of the dishes and the laundry and the children, and <laughs> trying to get trying to get into right. the mood. But this other partner is already in the mood and 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 kind of gets the signal like you're not matching me and could could get right. angry, could get uh, mm -hmm. frustrated. It could be a source of conflict right in that moment. Mm -hmm. That's exactly yeah. right. See, and now what you're doing, it's great you said that, because what you're doing is you're bringing in, right, all the relational components of what can happen when people don't really feel safe with each other and are able to turn to each other and talk about what's really going on, right? If you're not able to say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like wanting to court you. You're, I'm feeling really, you know, you're so beautiful. I'm feeling really turned on by you, but I'm getting the sense that, you know, it's not really happening for you. What, what, what is, what's happening right now, right? You can do that. Then you can make space for all that's going on. But if you, you take the risk in court and, you know, you lob the ball over the net and the, and the, and your partner doesn't, doesn't, you know, lob it back and you're not able to really talk about what's really going on, you'll do things like, you know what? You are just a cold fish. This is ridiculous. Why do I even bother? This is, you know, I, I, I can't deal with this anymore, right? You'll do all the things that we see, you know, around the, re the negative cycle, around the emotional negative cycle. It will trigger the negative cycle and you'll get all this reactivity. And then folks can't turn to each other and figure out what's going on because they're stuck. They're stuck in the reactivity. Yeah. And so even just as we're just digging into models of sexual response and desire and spontaneity versus responsiveness mm -hmm. and willingness. There's so much mm -hmm. even in just, we could talk probably, probably the whole, uh, time today just <laughs> about could. this piece. Right? But, um, we could. So as we, if, we could. As if that wasn't enough, you know, then we get into people's sexual scripts, you know, these, these uh -huh. ideas of how male, males and females interact with each other, how gender should mm -hmm. behave and, or gender expectations, uh, and they're influenced by cultural ideals and social norms. So much. You want to talk? You want to talk about that? Sexual scripts and how they come into play. Sure. Yeah, we can kind of unpack that a little bit. And I just want to say, with sexual scripts, the the model of sexual response that I like to work with best is is Rosemary Bassan's model because I don't have to unpack it all like I did the others. But her, her model, which was actually based on female sexuality, but it applies so well to, to men as well and to, you know, people who love each other, how they come together to be sexual because it's so expansive. With, just with that said, um, sexual scripts, think of, think of a script, right? Think of a sexual script in a very basic concept. Think of a sexual script as 
how your body gets turned on, right? Think, you know, we don't walk around this earth in our erotic, in our erotic, with our erotic energy, right? We walk around this earth. We have all these, you know, we're busy. We're doing things, our careers, you know, our kids, our domestic life, what have you. And so when we want to be sexual, right, how does our, how does our erotic energy come alive? You know, this is why with, with, with couples with young kids, often when they're so exhausted, right, one of the precursors to willingness, think about like the first stage of a sexual script, the willing to be, to be sexual, right? If you're exhausted, how often do you want to be sexual if you're physically exhausted, if you are really stressed out, you know, you're working on a project at work and you are so focused on this, you can't think about anything else. How often can you just shut that down and become sexual, right? So think of our script. We each have a unique script, a unique sexual script that allows our body to get going, allows the erotic engine to get turned on and warmed up and start humming. Right, and there's so many factors that come. In. And for some people, it's it's a little bit like, and this is what I've learned, right? It's it's a little bit like an on-off switch. In order for their body to get turned on, it's it's basically on-off. And for other people, it's a complex set of bells and whistles that need to be, you know, met in a very particular way in order for their sexual energy to to come alive. So then with that said, just as a precursor, you know, our sexual script then, our collective sexual script is how we come together. And as we were talking about earlier, people are wired differently. You know, you think about like some of the common sexual scripts like vanilla versus kink, right? Top Mm. versus bottom. What are we talking about? We're talking about, you know, how the body comes alive, what turns us on, right? If you think about gratifying sex, there's a feedback loop that occurs, right? You're, you know, you're feeling sexual, you're, you're, you move in the way, you move in the way your body is telling you what you want, that lands in their partner, their partner, your, your partner responds, they're responding how, what's going on in their body, and it's a feedback loop, it's a gratifying feedback loop that then builds erotic energy, right? Often what happens with our script is that what turns me on and what gets me going is very different than what turns my partner on and what gets my partner going. And so we can get stuck. We can get stuck into sort of a gridlock. Right. Uh, I have this one couple where um, the the wife comes out of the shower, and in her mind, she showered Mm -hmm. at night. She's getting ready for bed. And he sees her coming out of the shower, and he sometimes gets turned mm-hmm. on. But her script uh-huh. is right. Her her script is it's late. We worked all day. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm clean, and I'm relaxed from the hot shower. I want to go to sleep. His script is mm-hmm. wow. You're naked, and I see you over there, and I'm getting turned on. Right. Right. Of course. Right. And so. How does she understand that? Does she, can she, can she open to, you know, his desire for her? Does that feel good to her or does it feel like a burden? Sometimes it feels good. Sometimes it feels like a burden. How does she, how does she understand that moment? How does she experience it? 
so much depends on what has gone on, not just that mm-hmm. day, but that week, that month, between them in her right. life. Right. So, right. you know, if she feels like he hasn't paid much attention to her, and right. um, he's been really busy and maybe didn't text her during the day as much as she'd like, mm-hmm. and now he wants, mm-hmm. in his mind, it's like, I want to connect with you. This This is how we could be together. Mm-hmm. And in her mind, mm-hmm. it's like, well, you've been kind of ignoring me, and now you just want to, you know, have sex. I, I don't know. I don't know right. how willing I could be. Right. There it is. See, that's such a beautiful example of how the relational cycle impacts the sexual cycle. And you can hear it, right? You can hear it in her narrative. You hear it in his, too, right? She's saying, I feel disconnected from you. You haven't spent, you know, you, 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 were, at work, you were at work all day. You never texted me. You never checked in. You know, that doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel good. And now I'm supposed to just kind of like, you know, snap my fingers and like get in the mood when I feel, you know, I I don't feel like you've, I don't have that feeling in my body that you really wanted to connect with me, right? And that's where you'll hear this narrative around, you know, you don't want me, you just want it. You just want to get off, right? Yes. And that's so common. Right? Yeah. It's very common. Very common. But what's really important to note there, and, you know, it's, it's, I really slow things down and help couples really feel into this, is that for many people, sex is not just connecting sexually, it's connecting emotionally, that there's a gratifying, there's a, there's, they, they connect emotionally through the sexual channel, that they, they're primarily wired, that they, they get great emotional satisfaction, emotional connection from their the sexual connection, right? And that's particularly um, heartbreaking when when that's going on, right? Because when the person the person who shuts down because they feel like their partner is just going after it, that they that that they they have felt objectified, or you know where they get into that obligatory sex cycle, which is horrible, and so they've shut down. But then the person who is who is wanting to feel emotionally connected, but they do that via the sexual channel, that person is, is really feeling deprived. And so unless they can kind of turn to each other and figure that out, that's hard. That's It's hard that's for a, both people, right? That's a really tough moment there because in, in this example, yeah. the husband is saying, but I missed you and I want to be with you now because – we haven't had time together, and this is how I want to share this moment with you. And mm-hmm. and she's in a very different place, right? right. And, and and I right. think this is how we sometimes get to we're just sexually incompatible, which is so unfortunate, mm-hmm. right? This is kind of like mm-hmm. I'm kind of like segueing into the next topic. Mm-hmm. This this complaint, I'm sure you've heard it countless times. We're just sexually yeah. incompatible. And there's so much more to it than just, you know, I have a higher libido. Right, right. That's exactly right. You want to unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, sexual incompatibility, you hear it all the time. And, yes, it is true. Sexual incompatibility does exist. It does exist. It's not like it doesn't exist. However... I never take that at face value. I never take that at face value. When, when I, the vast majority of the time that I hear that, they're sexually incompatible, it's that they haven't drilled down deep enough 
and they haven't been capable of really hearing who their partner is and to be able to tolerate seeing how different, right, how different we really are. See, that's what's so tricky about this stuff. When you're really emotionally connected to somebody and you have great, you know, you have real skin in the game, sometimes it's very difficult to tolerate being able to turn to this person that you've built your life with and tolerate seeing all the ways in which you are so different, all the ways in which you do not line up, all the ways in which your body goes left and your partner goes right. And let me tell you, all of us have them because no two people line up perfectly. No two people line up perfectly. And with, then you add sex to the mix, right, and all the ways your body just naturally wants to, you know, make, make a, a sharp right when your partner's body wants to make a sharp left. How do you figure that out, right? How do you, how do you create this responsive feedback loop that then is able to generate genuine erotic charge between you? Sexual incompatibility, it's, you have to drill down and understand all the factors of what's going on there. Because otherwise, if you take that at face value, then, you know, it'll, it'll shut, it'll shut them down. Sex is a power exchange. Gratifying sex, if you think about your, your, your most gratifying sexual experiences, sex is a power exchange. It's a giving and a receiving. It's a dominance, right, where you're, you're exercising your power and then it's a submission. Then you move into a submission where, where you're relinquishing your power. And sometimes what happens is, when people, when let's say two people have really found their sexual charge in more of a of a dominating mode, that's how they see themselves, that's how they view themselves, that's how that's like what they do, that's what they enjoy. But both people are kind of in that, you know, what they've learned is that it's the domination mode where where they're in charge, they're in power, that that their sexuality comes alive. If they're not able to really see that, turn to their partner and and learn all about that and then get curious about, you know, hmm, what would it be like to let go, right? What would it be like to just like relinquish the, relinquish control? What would it be like to give my gift, give, give my partner that gift and play with that? If they can't kind of go with the flow and risk doing something different, risk learning about themselves, risk expanding the script, right, so to speak, that's going to be, it's going to be challenging. So that's what I help, help my couples do. Where oftentimes, that's not what's going on. Oftentimes, they just haven't been able to figure out the, the complex set of bells and whistles that each of them, you know, need to, need to be sort of organized, need to kind of be ringing in order for their sexual energy to come alive with their partner. But sometimes, even the more extreme cases, where I see this sometimes with, with more with gay couples where, you know, both of them are tops, right? So both of them want to penetrate versus be, versus be penetrated, right? right? That energy, right? How do you allow that energy to come alive? There's a lot we can do besides just intercourse, right? How do we expand that script? How do we play? How do we help, you know, our bodies relax into all the many uh, energies? that can be occurring there so that we can create gratifying sexual connection. Well, so what I like to tell people is don't, yeah, don't take that for granted. Don't, if you fall into this trap of saying, oh, we're sexually incompatible, that's the end of that. 
don't don't fall into that trap. Don't take that don't take that for granted. Sort of uh, using your word intersection, which is a kind of in your practice, uh, it's kind of the intersection mm-hmm. of one's personal boundaries and where one, you know, kind of. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say this: stretch, don't strain. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. stretch mm-hmm. your personal boundaries in a way that could be a mm-hmm. gift to your partner uh, and maybe even to yourself. At the same time, you still need to respect your own personal boundaries and how far you're willing to go. And, and maybe that's where true incompatibility may emerge, where, you know, one person just can't or is just not comfortable and doesn't want to go beyond a certain point. And the other person says, well, this is really, really important to me and I can't give this up. And so that may be a place of an example that's, of incompatibility? I think that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful example of, of incompatibility, right? Where somebody, let's say someone has a fetish and their, their erotic charge, their erotic energy gets, you know, gets expressed, gets, gets ignited primarily or even solely through that fetish. And that same fetish, right, whatever that is, turns their partner off. That's tricky. That's true. Because the partner, you know, the partner I, who is turned off can get really anxious, mm-hmm. maybe even frightened. Mm-hmm. And the partner mm-hmm. who is not being accepted could feel rejected and shamed about, it. yeah. That's exactly right. No, it's such a good example, Jeff. I'm glad, glad you brought that up. And then, of course, they come into your office, you know, in a, in a, a terribly, you know, in a very painful negative cycle around it. Because exactly right, the person who has the fetish is feeling shamed and like what's, you know, feeling that their partner is looking at them like, what's wrong with you? And the person who is, you know, who can't open may be holding feelings of like, you know, that's disgusting on the women, but then why can't I just relax and just let my partner in? So that's where, you know, that's often where I'll see the emotional, the relational cycle is impacting their capacity to open to all of that. Right. I've, I've worked with guys, you know, I worked with a straight couple where he, he was into mind, his sexual energy was, uh, it came alive along the BDSM continuum, but it wasn't, it wasn't extreme things. It was like hot wax, feathers, you know, he really found that very, very gratifying. And when, when they were able to do that, he had very, you know, his sexual energy, his, his eros, was he experienced that that eros in a very very gratifying way, but she was she would saw and, and self identify as more vanilla, and it wasn't her thing. And and when she came into my office, she had a lot of feelings about it, and you know rightfully so. Thoughts, you know, you'll hear this narrative of you know if he really loved me, why does he need why does he need hot wax, right? Why does he need right. to use these nipple clamps? What is you know what is what is this about? If they really if if my partner really loved me, they just want to connect with me in this way. But sexuality, there are so many things, so many factors that come into play there. You know, aggression is part of, you know, that power exchange, right? That's, that's often a part of what's going on for us sexually. And so as she was able to relax into viewing this as, you know, just his unique way, his, the way his body is wired in order for his, him to see his, his domestic partner 
erotically, as she was able to relax into seeing that this is, you know, this is just how he's wired and this is, you know, this is what he enjoys. Then she was able to get on board with it more. And then, of course, what's interesting, right, this is where we see in our relational work, right, then as she was able to get on board with it more, what happens? He starts to relax, and they have more sort of vanilla sex, and he's enjoying that more too, right? Because now he's feeling loved in that place, and now he wants to love her in the place where, where, where she is. So that's where we have to kind of, that's when we, you know, we, 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 un, we untie that knot, and then folks can really enjoy each other, and, it, and the script is more expanded. Yeah, that's a beautiful example, Mike, of uh, helping people to add to their script. You know, not take away yeah. what's existing, but see if they can expand it. And in that mm-hmm. expansion, there's more acceptance towards each other. Mm-hmm. That's a great story of this expanding the script and increasing acceptance of each other that leads to that kind of ability to connect in new ways. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And connect, connect emotionally through the sexual channel, through erotic yeah. exchange. Right. So um, there's a lot there, you know, and and mm-hmm. and the other uh, piece of what we were going to talk about, as if all that wasn't enough to have to think about, <laughs> <laughs> we talk about how to be playful, and mm-hmm. you know what does that really mean in, in in a relationship, and even even in this way, there can be miscommunication, lack of attunement, misunderstanding of partners' attempts to be playful and how it's how it's understood. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because playfulness is so important when cultivating erotic energy within us and between us. It's so important because, you know, Jeff, it's like we, we all get we all get trapped in our heads with this stuff. You know, when it's going really well, we're in our bodies and we're enjoying ourselves. But so often, especially, again, with people we love, remember, this is we're, we're primarily talking about sex and long-term committed relationships with people we love, where the risk is great, right? And so often, when it's not going well, we get trapped. We get trapped in our heads. We get trapped in, you know, oh, what's going wrong? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with them? What's happening here? And we... You know, all of that. And so, you know, once I really get working with couples, I get into the sex therapy component. I help them get playful because playful energy gets us out of our heads and into our bodies where sex lives. It's true that the biggest the biggest sex organ in the body is the brain, but it's the yeah. primitive part of the brain. It's the primitive part of the brain that sends the messages to the nervous system to reorganize the sex. Now, the primitive part of the brain has to be in alignment with the prefrontal cortex, which is our thoughts and and feelings and and that holds all of that, right? But getting playful helps that to occur because we stop thinking about it. We stop evaluating what's going on and we just, we get playful. And in that playful place, then we, we can start to, create and imagine and enjoy, have a little bit of a different moment. So in every session, I try to, even if it's right on my couch, I mean, I send couples home with, 
with homework and exercises and what have you. But even on my couch, I, I will, or I'll have people get up if we really drop into a place where they're really feeling really stuck. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll ask them to stand up and walk around and kind of like, Thanks for okay, listening. what would it be like? To show, show us how you would walk. Like, here's an example of that, right? This is where I, I got playful with a couple just this week. Because uh, this gentleman was talking about how, you know, he had gained, he'd gained weight back in the day. His sexual prowess was, you know, there. You know, he, he knows that energy. He knows what that's like. He, 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 he had it back in the day. But he's gained weight and then, you know, big job and he's stressed out. And it's like that part of his experience that has really receded, right? Receded. And so what I had him do, and we were laughing, the three of us were laughing, because I said, okay, this is what I want you to do. When I count to three, you're going to get up off that couch and you're going to walk around this office like you are owning your sexual, your sexual prowess is front and center. And it's just like oozing out of you. You can't not contain it, right? And so I go one, two, three, you know, and he gets up and he's like strutting. This dude is like strutting around my office and we're all laughing. But do you see how that, just that moment, right? And then he sat back on the couch and he, he laughed and it changed the energy because he stuck. He was stuck in this narrative of gained weight. I haven't, you know, I, I, I don't know who I am anymore in this way, right? But, you you have you play and the body remembers. The body remembers what it's like to not be stressed out. The body remembers what it's like to kind of breathe into that that sexual energy. And so it's it's so important and it just it it immediately reorganized the energy in the room, right? And it gave him if just a moment, it gave him a moment of, wow, that's still in me. Not only still in him, it's such a what a beautiful example, Mike, of you giving this man, this couple, permission to laugh, to be silly, to have mm-hmm. fun, as you're talking exactly. about their sexual connection. I think sometimes, somehow, it, it seems like uh, these things can't go hand in hand. You know, we can't laugh, yeah. we can't giggle, we can't be silly. You know, we have to be so careful about that. But it's so beautiful how you gave them permission for him to like to strut around and own it and you were laughing with them and kind of showing them we can have fun talking about this. That is exactly right. Yeah. It's 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 you know, when we get stuck in these negative cycles, we forget. We forget. And I think part of our job as therapists is to really help folks breathe into new places in themselves or forgotten places in themselves and help them to really we remember what life was like before they got stuck. Sometimes all they can remember is the stuckness, right? And they're focused on the stuckness and they're living the stuckness and they're just, you know, they're, they're succumbing to the stuckness. And we have to really help them see there's a lot more going on here and there's a lot more, there's, there's a much more expanded life that lives in their body that they can have within them and also between them with their partner. So playfulness is, is such an important component. I think in every session, when it's a sex therapy session, I'm having people doing deep breathing. I'm having people eye gaze, um, get playful, you know, all the different things that help folks get out of their heads and into their bodies and just let the body lead versus the prefrontal cortex, which holds all of these stories and 
you know, negative beliefs that contribute to anxiety, which then, for the vast majority of us, as our anxiety increases, our sexual response recedes. So they work against themselves. Well, I, I think you're really gifted at doing that. I, I see you work in workshops and presentations, and you have this very beautiful way of taking serious material that needs a very thoughtful approach and peppering it with the ability to bring lightness, to bring joy into it, playfulness, and, you know, that's really special. And I, I think partners can really benefit from seeing that possibility. Because uh, as we started out at the beginning, you know, this is such a complicated issue and mm -hmm. with sexual scripts mm -hmm. and models of uh, sexuality, um, all these things that come into play. Couples mm -hmm. can start to get really down and discouraged. But right. so much of what you're saying is somehow is maybe don't give up because there's a, a lot that maybe you're not talking about and need help to figure out how to talk about that could really turn things around in a way that maybe you could never have imagined with each other. And that's right. And don't you think that's, that's what we do as therapists, right? We, we create a space for people to, to really drop into possibility where they have felt so locked into one way of experiencing, experiencing themselves, experiencing their partner, experiencing their emotional life, experiencing their sexual life. And we're, we're, I think of us as we're the modern day shamans, right? We, we create a space where people can really start to drop into themselves where they feel deeply safe, seen, understood, acknowledged. And from that place, we can, we can learn to have a new experience of ourselves and our partner. That's, that's really beautiful, Mike. And I think what a great place to kind of finish up here with that beautiful message. Just before we, close out how can people find you is there anything you want to say about your practice where you're located sure and, uh, yeah they can just go on my website my website it's an easy website to remember it's www.fulfilledcouplesplural.fulfilledcouples.com they can find me on on the website yeah okay and is there anything else that you want people to know about you or your practice you know my, my practice is in new york city and I do workshops for couples with my, with what I, I like to call my, my work wife, Zoya. Although my partner doesn't like it when I, <laughs> when I call her that. <laughs> Sometimes it creates a negative cycle with us. But my, my dear, <laughs> my dear friend and colleague Zoya, we do, we do workshops for, for therapists around, uh, helping, uh, therapists understand how to effectively address sexual issues in, in couple therapy as well as doing workshops for um, for couples on creating emotional closeness, greater emotional closeness, as well as greater sexual closeness. So, yeah, but they can find out about that on, on my website as well. Well, I've seen you and Zoya work together, and the two of you uh, are so special together and, and bring such a special opportunity for couples and anybody who comes to your workshops that I really encourage people to look for you, to look for her, because there's so much to be gained from uh, working with you. So, Mike, thank you so well, thank much you, for your time, well, for your expertise, and for sharing your wisdom. Oh, well, thank you, Jeff. It's been a real pleasure. I've I, uh, gotten a window into your work as well, and I know that you're a gifted, gifted therapist. So I'm 
really, you know, happy that we've connected and that you've, uh, you know, you've found our, our EFT community. I'm really excited about um, all that you can bring to, um, to our work uh, now. Thanks so much, Mike. And uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks for listening to The Total Self Considered, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the latest thinking and advice on how to build happier, healthier, more fulfilling lives. In coming episodes, we'll chat with mind-body professionals from different disciplines like counseling, fitness, nutrition, physical therapy, and many others. And if you have any suggestions for who I should have on the show or what topics we should discuss, let me know. Visit MyTotalSelf.com and send me your questions and comments using my contact form. While you're there, check out the Total Self blog for more advice, insights, and strategies to help you enjoy life and create your best self. Once again, the website is mytotalself.com, and I'm your host, Jeff Fine. Join me on the next episode of The Total Self Considered, and until then, take good care of your total self. Total Self.